Good morning, everybody. I just want to quickly do a couple of announcements and then Mike will take over and Toby will take over. Bible study is starting on the 24th of January, 10.30, Wednesday morning here at church. Um, prayer meeting will announce, it won't be this week or the next week, but uh, once we get past the first couple of weeks here, then we'll let you know when that's going to be. Thank you, Celeste. I don't have any, I don't have any announcements to add, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I listened to David Jeremiah's uh, p uh, podcast or YouTube videos pretty often. He shared a story this week that I, I just, I thought, i got to share this with the congregation, but I'm sure everybody's aware of RSVP, you know, for weddings or special occasions. I'm sure everybody's received one of those that, uh, you know, please respond. So there's a lady in uh, Seattle, Washington. She's a, she's a wedding singer. Her name is Ruth Metzger. This is a true story. Her and her husband, Roy, uh, were invited. Uh, she was going to sing at a wedding for a very prominent family in Seattle. And they were really excited about getting to go to this event for two reasons. It, it's like one of the uh, big events of the year in Seattle. Plus, it was going to be held at the, uh, let me look at my notes here, at the top two floors of the Columbia Tower. Never been to Seattle, not familiar with that, but apparently it's the tallest building in the Northwest. So they were excited to get to go to this event. So when the wedding was over, Ruth and Roy, they were making their way to the reception desk uh, where a tuxedo-dressed maitre d' was introducing everyone and offering luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages. And the wedding procession led by the bride and groom approached the beautiful brass staircase that led up to the top floor where the reception was going to be held. Well, the announcement was made that the wedding reception feast was about to begin. The bride and groom ascended the stairs and all the guests following behind them. And at the top of the stairs, the maitre d' stood at the entrance with a bound book, and he was greeting the guest. So as Ruth and Roy stepped up to, to the entrance, the maitre d' asked for their names. But as he searched the list, their names couldn't be found in the book. Ruth said, it must be there. I'm the singer. I sang at the wedding, and I'm supposed to sing at the reception. The maitre d' answered, if your name isn't in the book, you can't enter the reception. Ruth and Roy were escorted to the service elevators, and as they walked to those elevators, they could see all the tables lined through the hall filled with all kinds of exquisite food and elaborate ice sculptures lining the walls. And Of course, the ride home was silent until Roy reached over and took Ruth's hand and asked her, what happened and why weren't our names listed in the book? Ruth said that when the invitation arrived, she was very busy, and she never bothered to RSVP. And besides, she said, I was the singer, so surely I'd be allowed into the reception without returning an RSVP. Uh, Ruth told, uh, the, told Roy that the experience made her consider what it would be like to stand before Jesus someday and find out that your name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life and hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. If you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and your reservations are secure. Without further ado, let's uh, 
bow our heads and we'll open the service in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're gathered here once again to praise and worship you. We invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us today, and we thank you for seeing us through another week. We ask a special blessing on those who are sick or hurting, and please open our hearts and minds as John delivers the message today, and we ask that we will always know your voice. Amen. John has asked me to read the scripture. He'll be uh, delivering his message from us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. You can read along if you like. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell you of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Good morning. Good morning. So you are the healthy sheep? Yeah. <laughs> and recovered? You're glad that you could make it today? 
Um, we just want to think of those who are sick today, those who are in the U.S. seeking medical attention. And uh, just join me in prayer. Thank you, Father, that we can come in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. You watch over us with tender love and mercy. You have prepared for us a place in the Father's house. You care. And thank you that in this morning we can pray for everyone who is sick, those who struggle with their health in general, those who are acutely ill by viral illnesses. Pray for our members that are in the States at the moment seeking medical help. We pray, Father God, that in your grace and your mercy you will open the door, you will lead the way. Those who have to make decisions about our friends and family, we pray that you'll give them great wisdom. Some of them, or most of them, might not know you, Lord. Talk about the physicians. But you are the great physician. They are in your hand. You are the sovereign God. And that's why we pray. We pray because God answers prayer. He has committed himself to answer prayer. That is grace. And we thank you for that. Thank you in this day that we have the privilege to have woken up because God wished us to be awake and alert and alive. For the purpose he has created us, and that is to bring glory to his name. To live a life of thankfulness, of the shining light and salt in this world that desperately needs the truth of the gospel. Thank you for this marvelous word of yours that you have given us on which we can stand. Which Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. John 35, he says, scripture cannot be broken. And we're so grateful for that. Help us to fall in love with your word, to cherish it, because it's our life. Pray for your grace, Father, in the name of Jesus, the unction by the Holy Spirit. Do not speak my words and my ideas, but to be truthful to your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at the first four verses of Hebrews, the second chapter, which is one of five exhortations. And an exhortation is like a strong encouragement or a strong urge for someone to do something. And we realize that he started with the word, therefore. And then we page back and we saw that he pointed out that the Lord Jesus Christ is, he is not only prophet, he is not only priest, he's also king. In his attempt to show the people of Hebrews that the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to angels, which they held in high esteem. And now he carries on. He says, we must pray much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. But I want you to, to draw your attention to the second verse that says, for since the message declared by angels proved reliable. The message there in the Greek is called Logos. Have you, do you know of another Logos? Think of John 1. In the beginning was the Word. What's that word? Logos. So, the first one that came, that he's talking about the angels, was at Mount Sinai, just after the Lord delivered them through the blood of the Passover lamb. He brought the Israelites together at the Mount of Sinai. And then the New Testament on two places shows 
that the message of God came through the mediation of angels. Now watch what he says about the angels. Just think that message was reliable. But follow this. Transgression, disobedience, retribution. That sounds serious. And do you know how many people died when Moses came back from the mountain? Remember, when he came down, there was a lot of noise in the camp, and Joshua said, oh, there's war. It sounds like the tumult of war. And he said, no, it's not war, said Moses. It was singing. They were dancing around the golden calf. They couldn't tolerate the idea that they are serving a God that they cannot see. We, are, we as unsaved or naturally born human beings have got a strong desire to serve idols. And don't think back only in that time. In this culture, we serve different idols. We can serve our health. We can serve our natural beauty. We can serve our career. We can serve our children. There are many things that we can set up as idols in front instead of God. But look at the stern thing that happened. You read about transgression and disobedience and retribution. But now, not only is Jesus superior, but look at the message that he brought. We shall escape that great salvation. Remember, Jesus' name is Yehoshua. That was the original name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means the salvation of God. So when he brought the message, the self-salvation, the Logos, he is the message of salvation. Today you can take, it doesn't matter if you look at a false religion and the founder falls away. They still have the teaching and writing. Many people say they follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. My brother and sister, we cannot follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. He is the message. He is the only one who said, you cannot live, unless, you cannot come to the Father unless you come by me. I am the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says, I, he says, I am eternal life. If they would ever come on the news that they have discovered the grave of Jesus Christ and they found his bones in there, our religion is over, our belief is over. It's been a lie. cannot be resurrected. That's why they try their best to prove that the grave of Jesus is not empty. But what, look at the difference between the coming of the law and the coming of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Look what we see. We see the word salvation. We see it was attested to us why God also bore witness. We see signs, wonders, various miracles, and we see gifts of the Spirit. Do you see the difference between the coming of the law Disobedience, retribution. We see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ's message. As John 1 says, the law came through Moses, but through the Lord Jesus Christ came grace and truth. For we have all received from Him grace upon grace. So not only is there a great difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and angels, there's a great difference between the message or the logos that the, that the angels brought that caused retribution. There were things in the law of Moses that they were, could not be forgiven no, no, many, no matter how many animals you sacrifice. Called capital offenses. And then on the testimony of two witnesses, you were fined or you were put to death. No grace. But here, the message comes with grace. It comes with forgiveness. It comes with signs and wonders and various miracles that God is working with us and, and, and 
we see that Jesus said, not only do I, I do not rely on the witness, because remember the Pharisees came to him and said, what do you say of yourself? You cannot testify on your own behalf. And Jesus said, I don't. Legally, you can go to John the Baptist, not that I receive the testimony of men, but you can go to John the Baptist, because who, who, pointed, John the Baptist, uh, John, who pointed out the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world to the Israelites? John the Baptist. And Jesus said, of all the people of the Old Testament, the greatest that ever lived was John the Baptist. Why? Because he pointed to the salvation of God. The other thing that struck me is when you, when you look at back in Exodus 19, when God came on the mountain of Sinai, He came with thunder and lightning and a thick cloud and, and a call of a trumpet, and He came with smoke and fire. And He said, anyone who touches this mountain will buy these stones or shot through with an, with an arrow. Why? It's because of the holiness of God. And man who, have, who has fallen in sin could not touch the mountain. When, the, when Jesus came, God wrapped him up in flesh so that he could walk with his brothers. If he, would came, if he would have come unwrapped, his presence would kill all of us and all of his followers. But in his God's great grace, he wrapped up his son in flesh to bring us a message of great salvation. And what is that message? No longer, no longer do we have to be afraid of God. No longer do we have to pay the penalty of sin through the sacrifices of animals, but if it's willful sin, by, the, by our own death. So, now we go to verse 5. It, it was not for angels that he subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. Now, he quotes Psalm 8. So, when you see, the Bible says, uh, the, he talks about the world to come. The, the word world there means the inhabited world. Now what makes it very difficult is if you read Psalm 8, which, let me just go there. I want you, when you, read, when you listen to Psalm 8, we will come to that verse, but I want you to listen to the double meaning. So Psalm 8, King David, he is talking about human beings. But as I said in the past, often when you read an Old Testament uh, passage, you see there's a double meaning and there's a double fulfillment. That is the idea of, about prophecy. So the, the, the psalm says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens and out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemies and avenger. So, you have set your glory above the heavens and out of the mouths of babies and infants you have established strength. Can you recognize those words? Who quoted those words? Remember when the Pharisees talked about Jesus, say why? Why you have all the people throwing palm leaves before you and praise you when you come into the city? What's this upheaval about? And then he said, haven't you read? Out of the mouths of babies and infants I will ordain praise. So you see how God is using his scripture for the purpose, and then we have to follow that. When he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you mindful of him, and the son of man that you care of him? That man, and that son of man, is not the title of Jesus that he's using son of man. It's a typical Hebrew poetry where they use parallelism. So that means son and son of man refer to human beings. 
And if you don't believe me, you read Genesis 1.26. God created man and woman to take dominion over the works of God's hands. All the wild animals, all the beasts, all the animals in the sea and the birds in the sky. That was God's original plan for man. To reign with him in Eden. And then, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. He has created us a little lower than the heavenly beings. But now, the writer in Hebrews is applying this to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we read the Bible, uh, we, we have always to remember this writer is moving between the current world and the world to come between Israel and the, the, the world and the rule and reign of Christ in the thousand years which, which we call the millennium. So here we read, go back to Hebrews and we go to back to 2 and I'm just going to look at that um, psalm. So you made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor and you put everything in subjection to his feet. When God said to Adam, this is my plan for you, that you will rule and reign over what my hands have created. That I put you in charge of the garden and that you will take care of the garden and you take care of my, of my works of my hands and name the animals. The devil heard that too. And what he realized, when God said to them, you can eat of all the fruit trees, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. He heard that. And that is because he was kicked out of heaven before because of his rebellion against God. And in an attempt, he deceived Eve. And he ruined, he thought, he ruined forever God's plan that the inferior being, like human beings, will reign the works of God's hands. He thought by bringing by bringing death, the death penalty, because he realized God is the God of his word. If he says die, you will die, they will die. He will not excuse them. And he thought he has, he has final victory over this human, lowly human race to poke his finger in God's eye and to wreck his works. But God is never at a loss. We have to realize that the plan of salvation was devised when? For there was time. Do you follow that? When the eternal Son of God and when God and in the Spirit decided to save mankind, it was before He said, let there be light. Way before. Because the Bible actually says that before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. So my brother and sister, never think that there is anyone as great as God. Never think that there are two supernatural human beings in power. The God and devil. He's a creature. And he's being used by God for his purposes. So ever since Eve was deceived. Because the tactics of the devil is the same today. He will always awaken you to the things that God said no. Telling you, you are missing out. The young people that look on Whatever temptation there is, the devil knows our self. He knows our weakness and he knows how to bait life for you so that you will turn your back on God and choose what he wants 
Oh, that's what my friends do. That's what everybody does. Oh, I am so sad I'm a Christian. My life is not... I, I, I miss all the excitement. Whatever it is. When he has trapped humankind, Eve wanted and Adam wanted to have uh, independence that I decide my life for myself. Like Frank Sinatra's song. They say it's the most popular song at funerals today. I did things my way. So, uh, it, Satan said, no, God didn't say that. You, no, you would surely not die if you take of that fruit and eat of that fruit. You will become as God. Look at every false religion under the sun today. They all promise what? You are gods. And they are teachers in this, in this church, in the body of Christ, that teach the same. That we are little gods. I just wanted to tell him, gods don't get constipated. Gods rule. God lives forever. They don't age. It's alive from the pit of hell. And the enemy knew that. Eve desired to be wise. To be in control. And she wanted to know between good and evil. But what she didn't realize. That she had to become evil. To know good from evil. Which God does not have to be. God in all his purity and holiness. Knew the difference between good and evil. But she had to rebel against God and then realized what is good, what is evil. And then that is the power that the enemy has. The, power has, has the enemy has power over you and me through sin. Because through sin comes death. Do you see that? The sting of death is sin. So for us as Christians, that is why we walk the way of holiness that God has allowed for us to walk through what Jesus has done. So let's go to, uh, in this world, the world that is to come. He didn't put it under angels. But now he applies this psalm to the, to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for a short while, we are back in time where Jesus walked the dusty earth in, in, in Israel. And he died on the cross. He was for a little while made lower than the angels. He had to assume. So the, the, the Jews in Hebrews probably thought, if Jesus is so great, if he is greater than the angels, why didn't he have a body like the angels? A heavenly body. An impressive body. Why did he come in a bag of bones? Do you know why he came as a human being? Through the first Adam came what to us? Death. So the second Adam, the Bible says beautifully, he says the first Adam was a living soul. The second Adam, a life-giving spirit. But he had to come in human flesh because it is human flesh who rebelled against the Holy God. Second thing, he had to come as a human being. Because if you see in your mind's eye what has happened in the Garden of Eden when Eve obeyed, when she was deceived, and where Adam was too weak to stand up to his wife and say, No! They, humanity fell into sin. And look beyond that. Up to today, we are all enslaved by sin. And without any escape. Unless God made a plan. 
which was the plan from the beginning. God was not taken aback by the rebellion of men. It is not, I'm wrong, it was not a backup plan. It was his plan, only one plan. So the second Adam came to rescue mankind. And in the third place, we will see at the end of the chapter, he is talking about Jesus Christ being made perfect through his suffering. Does that mean he was imperfect in the beginning? No. He is talking about his humanity. How can he be a high priest to you and me if he hasn't lived in our shoes? If he hasn't suffered physically, emotionally, spiritually? So it was God's will for the, for the second Adam to go through life. And that way God matured him. God perfected him. God understands when you are tempted. God understands when you are broken. God understands when you are depressed. God understands when you are lonely. You have a perfect high priest who has gone through everything and more than you and I can ever go. And that's the great Savior. And that is the great message that the Hebrews is wanting to, for the Jews to understand. We see him for a little while made longer, lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. That's verse 9. So let's go to the slide 3, please. So, the Bible says a few times about tasting death. What does it mean that he tasted death? If you and I want to figure out what is it, it's like when, when, when the Israelites received manna, they said, what is it? That's what it means. What is it? But they had to taste it. So if we taste it, we know, right? So for Jesus to mean that he tasted death, he had to experience death to know. Uh, in his humanity. That's the tough part when you deal with Christ. He is mysterious. Because he is at the same time truly God. And truly man. But he's talking now about the humanity. In Jesus' humanity, He came little lower than the angels to serve you and me. And then, because that, the, the being perfect was that where the first Adam failed in disobedience, the second Adam took this bag of bones through all the commands of God and, and, and obeyed it to the end at such a cost that in Gethsemane He sweat blood because of the strain in Him. For the first time in His ever life at that stage to be separated from his father to be made sin I always think what does it mean and I just think that maybe we have spent as physicians we spend so much time and, and care when a baby is delivered is sometimes you, you, you do whatever you can and you get trained and, and you, uh, you check everything and then at the end when the baby is delivered somebody will say take a knife and kill it and you think of that horror in, the, in, in, in a person's heart all the sin of all the world came upon Christ in a moment. That's why he cried out in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the great message of salvation. Your sin and my sin only if you believe. The Bible does not teach universalism, which the liberal theologians talks about. The universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. No, God's children have to accept Him. It's a personal choice. So verse 10, it was fitting. It was appropriate. 
For he for whom by all, thi- by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory. He, that he is the Father. It was fitting that the Father should, to whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It was fitting because God had in mind to rescue his people that now are enslaved by their fear of death because of the command of God. If you sin, you will die. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Some people say the correct translation is this. Both the sanctifier. Remember what means sanctify. Sanctify means to be separated unto God. There are some of you ladies have certain dresses that are sanctified. It is just for high occasions, just for weddings or or galas or whatever, or certain shoes that are sanctified. Both the sanctifier and those who are being sanctified are all of one. And for this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. What it says, the one that the Bible speaks about is not of God. We are not of one source, which is God. Both the sanctifier And those he came to be sanctified is of the first Adam. Think of this. The king of glory who spoke this universe into being that we've seen in the first chapter. Who has made the heir of all things. Who is holding the universe by the word of his power. He has come among you and me as a brother. Unashamed to call you brothers. Because of what he has done on the cross. That was God's intent from the beginning. What a great love God has for you. What a great price God has paid for you. Think about such things. Meditate upon such things. And when we do, when you see the Lord Jesus, as the Hebrews writer wants us to see him, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. And he said, the first law that came, that was mediated through the angels on Mount Sinai, if it was disobeyed, brought retribution. Pay closer attention to what you've heard, lest you drift away. Because here, we have a great salvation that makes everything pale. Because now you and I have been set free from the power of sin. Now we sin by choice. Because the Bible says that through death, later in this chapter, through death, Jesus Christ had victory over him who had the power over death. Devil had the power over death for you and me because of our disobedience. And we are a race. The baby that's born is born under sin. Because we are a race. And that's the reason Jesus came. Not of the line of his father Joseph. But of Mary. Because the seed is transferred by the male. The rebellion, the sin, the inborn sin is transferred by the father. Jesus came. And his father in heaven. And his mother, the human body. He received through her. So he's the uncontaminated seed of the woman that God said right in the beginning in Genesis, he will crush the head of you, Satan. Is the gospel not marvelous? Here we stand and we see the whole play of the gospel playing out. And Jesus Christ being made 
initially lower than the angels, where is he sitting now? At the right hand of God, above all rule and authority and power, a name that can be given in this age and the age to come. And before him every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. So, brother and sister, we do it now or we do it then. If we do it now, we have hope of salvation. If we do it then, it's too late. It's like that RRS, RSVP that was never filled out. You cannot go and, and meet the Lord Jesus and hope that your birth certificate would do it or your, your baptism certificate would do it or your fact that your parents are godly people. No. You have to have the blood like that uh, in Egypt, they had to put the blood of the lamb on the lintel of the door and of the post. Because that is the only thing the death angel was looking for. The only way you and I can escape the penalty of our sin is the blood of the sinless one. And it's free of charge. And it needs our acknowledgement. And he says so beautifully, that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. And then the, the three... As from, as from the 13, the next quotations, is just taking the Psalms to say and to confirm that the Lord Jesus Christ has come among His brothers without shame. Remember what happened in the New Testament when Jesus was very busy and His family thought He lost His mind because He is just healing and healing and preaching and teaching? They wanted to take Him away. And then the disciples said, Lord, outside your mother and your brother and your sisters are waiting for you. What did he say? Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Those who do the will of my Father. He said in another place, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. What is the will of my Father? That they believe in the one he has sent. Who is the one he has sent? His Son. If there were any other way of salvation, why would God send His precious Son? Then He says, the Lord Jesus, I'm just going to drop down to 17. But what I wanted to say about the enemy, I struggled for years to understand why do I have to resist the devil if he was conquered by Jesus on the cross. Remember when Jesus said, it is finished. He took the authority that Satan had over us because of our disobedience by us listening to him. Jesus took that authority from him by dying in our stead, by fulfilling the, um, the judgment of God upon disobedience. So he died on the cross. The word is propitiation. Propitiation means appeasement or compensation. God is deeply offended by your and my sin. And the only way He could be compensated is by a, a human life perfectly lived without sin. How often have you read about the blameless lambs, the lambs that have to be inspected to be without spot or blemish? Why is that? It is pointing towards the spotless Lamb of God that would live a perfectly God-satisfying life in every decision He made. He said, I do not do anything unless my Father tells me. I do not say anything unless my Father says that. Do you think the church would be better off if pastors would do that? 
Will we have less people going to hell? I listened to a guy the other day that said, it doesn't matter if you're LGBTQ or what kind of an alphabet you are. God is love. It's a lie. They forget. The throne of God, the throne of God is, ju is justice and righteousness. And before Him goes steadfast love and faithfulness. He is a just judge and He's a loving judge. You can't play up one characteristic of God at the cost of others when then you sit up with a God that you've created in your own image. So, there's a difference between the devil being conquered and being totally destroyed. When Jesus conquered him on the cross, God pulled his fangs and, and declawed him. And now he's using him in our lives for our sanctification. He is still like a roaring lion. But now, we cannot bind the devil. We can resist him. And the Bible says, if you resist him, he will what? Flee. At the name of Jesus. But when will he be destroyed? When? When the day comes for God, for Jesus to consummate. Consummate the kingdom of God here on earth. Remember when Jesus started to preach the gospel, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. There will come the time when he comes again, the second coming, on his second advent, when his feet touches the mountains, he would say the kingdom of God will be, is established. And Adam and Eve, who, was, who were created to reign, will reign through you and me, who have stayed obedient and stayed the course. And kept the salvation going through our endurance. We will rule and reign with Him. The plan of God from Eden has been fulfilled. He says, I am God and I do all my pleasure. What I have planned, I will do. And isn't that good news, church? So Jesus was made a high priest because when you and I fail, when you and I give in to temptation, when we give in to fear and anxiety and sexual misconduct and whatever the sin might be, there's still time for repentance. Because as I said last time, the blood of Jesus Christ has paid fully for all sin of all time. And people who are really tasted the salvation of God will not see that as a license to sin, but as a great motivation to stay pure. So, he says, for because of that he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Isn't that marvelous? You don't sound convinced. I can start over. <laughs> Do we have a great salvation? Do we have to pay closer attention? Because if we don't, what happens? We drift. We are only, we are either drawn to the great Savior or we drift. There's no other way. And this is our anchor. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the precious people that listen patiently. Pray for your blessing upon us. Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know where they are. You know their thoughts right now. You know the strat strategy of the enemy to ruin their lives. You know the temptation they are facing right now. And I pray, Lord God, by your grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, be gracious to them. Hold them. You are the great shepherd of the sheep and you said no one will pluck them out of my hand and that's what we want to pray for today. That they will stay on the course. 
Because you say, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But narrow is the gate and uh, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few find it. And Lord, we want to run the race with diligence that you have set before us. Because the time is coming if we endure and if we don't fall by the wayside where we will rule and reign with you whatever it looks like. It sounds great to me. Because we live in a world where the Satan is still God of this world. But thank you that through your power and through your resurrection and through the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. Thank you for your word. Help us to read it daily, to understand it, to examine it, to see what these things I've said today is true. Bless our people in Jesus' name. Protect them from the evil one in this week, Lord. Go before them. In Jesus' name, amen.